0: Um, I'm going to do what I normally do. I'm going to read the whole text that I'm going to be walking you through this morning, and then I'm going to (coughs) pray, starting in verse 1 of Acts 14. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness in the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, or saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you that we can look at instances in time and history that happened and that we can uh, be encouraged and challenged. I pray that you do that to us this morning. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Uh, Today is uh, October the 31st, which is a holiday, right? It's Halloween. And it's all hey, don't no, give it away, man. Yeah, give me a it chance is. here. And it's also Reformation Day, and maybe you've heard of that day before. And, and it's a day in history uh, that's well, probably still controversial today. But essentially, what happened was, is um, way back in the day, what was it, uh, fourteen, seventeen, or 15, 13, Fifteen seventeen, That's what it was. Thank you. Um, the church had kind of Let's just say lost its way, all right? And a man by the name of Martin Luther, who had studied and devoted his life to the Word of God, in fact, he had a famous saying. He said, I cannot help but be held captive by the Word of the Lord. That's, that's a Luther quote. Um, he decided to write out a thesis, or 99 theses, 98, 99 theses, about what was going wrong with the church and how they had kind of strayed away from the original intent of the gospel and God's word. They had missed it. They had got caught up in different things, and they kind of began to miss the point. And so he is famously known for posting his thesis on the wall of the the Wittenberg. We're going to go with that. I'm probably wrong, but just we'll say it's that today. And he posted on the door of the Wittenberg, which back then was a big deal. And for him to do that was an act of bravery and a huge risk on his part because people back then took religion so seriously that had they, well, actually, they did try to kill him eventually, but like they took it seriously enough that if he was like way off course in their own eyes, they would have straight up killed him for it. So it was a huge risk on his part. And it's a big deal for us in our history because if you, Look at the history of the church. Had that not happened, had the Protestant Reformation, protest, Protestant Reformation, had not happened, our church would not be here in the way that it is today. So in, in big part, that is due to the work of Martin Luther and all the other reformers throughout history. And so today we remember that. Yes, it's Halloween too, but it's also Reformation Day, a day in history where we remember when the church woke up in a sense. And we look at Martin Luther and we can see that, well, his famous quote, right? He was held captive by the word of God in such a way that he was willing to risk death and rejection and all the rest for the sake of God's word. He could not help but do it because he was held captive by it. Um, This morning, we're going to be continuing on through the book of Acts Acts is obviously the, you know, Eric's been preaching it for a while, so you guys already know what we're talking about, hopefully, right? We're, we're walking through the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. It was written by Luke. He is writing the start of the church and what the church, and, and really how the church is formed. And it's an awesome and a lot of really great stories in it. And, and so we're gonna continue on. And, and last week, uh, Eric had talked about you know, and I think he, he talked about as Paul and Barnabas were journeying through the land and preaching and spreading God's word, and he talked about this idea of, um, if I remember it correctly, it was the stubbornness of the Jews and how people tend to um, get stuck and get in their own way from receiving the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like, we tend to get caught in our own heads and forget, or we tend to get so caught up in something else that we miss the point, right? And so as the story continues, um, you know, and I'm just going to walk you verse by verse through these 18 verses. And I know I'll go rather quickly because I tend to go, well, I I at least know I'll go faster than Eric (laughs) usually does. Love you, Pastor. Anyways, and we're just going to walk verse by verse through it. So let's do it. Starting in verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke. And and let's stop there, right? This is Paul's pattern. As he walks through the cities and as he's going out to preach the gospel, he always follows the same pattern. He goes to a synagogue first. He goes to his people first. Um, And so he goes into this town. He jumps into this Jewish synagogue. He starts Preaching, And he preaches in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed, right? So this guy just had a good, like the sermon, he nailed it. People are believing, not just Jews, but Greeks as well, because the message of the gospel is for all the nations, right? And so he's preaching it. It's going well. But when things go well, things also don't go well, right? But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers i imagine that what was going on is the is that the jews that did not receive the gospel well and that happens right because the gospel message itself is very controversial even to this day where sometimes it divides people it divides families right that 's why Jesus says that if you 're not willing to like essentially disown your own family for my sake, you haven't gotten it right there's an intensity to it there's a division to it, and so some people it rubs them the wrong way, and they reject it and they don't like it, but they don't only just reject it, they have to bring others with them. they have to help people see why Paul and Barnabas are so wrong and so they poison the minds of people. That's what that's what Luke is saying there. He's saying they go before them and they're like, ah, don't listen to that Paul guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he actually killed this other apostle once. Like he's just this bad all-around dude. Like don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so they poison the mind. They stir up the crowds. They stir up the people. But I love what Paul and Barnabas do in response to that. So they remained. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. And I believe that this is like the key verse for the whole thing this morning. And so like if you decide to fall asleep at this point, just listen to me for like two more minutes and then you can snooze off. And the point is this. Their response to being essentially rejected, right, was to continue on faithfully proclaiming the word of the Lord. But that's not the real focus of this verse, is it? What's it say? For the Lord who, this is the Lord, the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Despite the rejection of the Jews, despite the poisoning of the people attempting to poison the Gentiles around them, to bring them against Paul and Barnabas, God continued to work. God continued to faithfully move through Paul and Barnabas as they faithfully proclaimed the message. They were held captive, right? They couldn't do anything else because they so were affected by the gospel. They were so affected by the truths and by the grace of God that they had been shown and experienced that they couldn't help but continue to proclaim the message despite people rejecting it around them, right? And as it goes on, but the people of the city were divided. Thank goodness that doesn't happen anymore, right? You can laugh. That was a joke. (laughs) Appreciate it. Yeah, it was for great enthusiasm. Um, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, the ones gossiping and poisoning the minds of the Gentiles, and some sided with the apostles. Now, sometimes when uh, you, you stir up crowds, uh, you can really get them to do what you want, right? Like, you get them stirred up. You get especially mobs, angry mobs, right? Again, thank goodness that doesn't happen today, right? Because that would be really bad. But this is happening. This is happening to Paul and Barnabas. They're continuing to faithfully proclaim the word, but people are still getting stirred up. Because people still get divided, right? when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. Now, traditional stonings for Jews was a thing that God was in, God's law was supposed to do, and there was a judicial way to go about it. It's the truth. This instance is not one of those judicial stonings. It's actually something different entirely. It is, angry mob, I'm really mad, let's kill these guys. They're acting out of emotion and rage. They're not thinking straight, they're just moving. And they're mad. And they even got the rulers to side with them, right? They got them so riled up, the rulers are like, yeah, that's probably a good idea, let's go with that. Please don't hurt me, right? And so they get them riled up. They want to kill them, they want to stone them. And when they learned of it, they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia. So, we can kind of step back and look at a few things here, right? We can step back and see that Paul and Barnabas, being completely held captive by the Word of God, right? Doing what they were meant to do, doing what they knew they had to do despite what people were saying or responding to them with, were practicing wisdom. They weren't a part of a raging mob going with the flow. They were smart. They knew when to continue boldly. And then they knew when, you know, I think, I think it's time to go. I think we need to go on to the next city. And they knew. And so then they went. And here's another key point. And to the surrounding countries, in verse 7, and, they, and there they continued to preach the gospel. They continued to preach. They were so captivated. They were so on a mission that it didn't matter that they got rejected and threatened to death. They continued to do the mission. And it wasn't all emotional. They, they, they were smart about it, right? They knew when to stay and press, and they knew when to back off and leave. I can't help but think of like, you know, in, in today's age, we, we, you know, we get on like social media and it's really easy on social media to be the angry mob, right? Scroll Twitter sometime. It is toxic, to say the least. And it's very easy to join in. It's very easy to not just take a step back and just think and look and use that wise brain the good Lord gave us, right? It's very easy to just go with the flow and follow. Follow our emotions. And so follow our emotions that we're no longer held captive to the thing that we're supposed to be doing in the first place, right? Now, in that first seven verses, we see Paul and Barnabas being rejected, and threatened with death. And they responded with faithfulness to the Lord. And they responded because they had been so changed by the gospel that the rejection didn't matter anymore. And yet they still pressed on with their mission because what, what were they? They were held captive by the word of the Lord. They couldn't help but do anything else. It had so moved and shooken and shaked and molded them that it didn't matter what was going on around them. They had to completely do the message or preach the message. And again, this isn't like thoughtless. This isn't like going with uh, the emotions and feels or vibes, as the small kids say these days. No, it was thought out and wise and good, and they went about... And they knew when to leave. And so they leave and they go to another city. Now something else is going to happen to them, right? Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking. Now, well, actually here, I'm going to read another verse and then I'll say what I'm going to say. And he listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Now, a lot of times we can like look at a text like this and and maybe think that it's talking about this idea of like Paul looked at this crippled guy and saw that he had faith in himself to believe enough, to achieve enough in order to be healed and stand up, right? Right? And is that what's going on? No. What is the crippled man doing? The crippled man is sitting there, helpless, vulnerable, can't really help himself at all because he can't walk. And he is doing what? He is listening to Paul speak. And what is Paul speaking about, do you think? Well, what has he been speaking about this whole time? He's preaching the gospel. The gospel had so shaped and had so moved and convicted and impacted the crippled man that Paul was able to look at his face and see something. Not that he had faith in himself to get up, or not that he had faith in Paul to heal him, but that he had had faith in the message itself, the message of the gospel. And that's when he was able to get up. Not because of his healing power, not because of uh, Paul's healing power, but because of the message of the gospel itself. And really, I believe that Paul was moved or prompted by the Holy Spirit to notice that. And it's an awesome miracle because the man springs up and he begins walking. This is the second time, uh, yeah, I believe this is the second healing miracle in the book of Acts to occur. And it actually reflects and mirrors the previous one, which was Peter healing a crippled man as well, which is interesting. And so he heals him. The guy stands up. He's walking around. You know, I like to imagine he's kind of like, my legs work. He's excited. That's how I like to picture it, but I'm a goofball. So Um, and so he stands up and the crowds notice. Now, you have to understand a little bit of history of Lystra to understand why what happens next happens. And I'll just explain as we go. And he sprang up and began to walk. And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, a couple things. Uh, Lystra had a tradition or a story that they have told each other that they believed for a long time. And the story essentially goes like this, and I'll probably butcher it, but I'll tell it to the best of my ability. Here's how it goes. Um, A long time ago, the gods Zeus and Hermes came and visited their town. They were in disguise as normal men. And they walked through the town, and they asked different houses if they could stay and find shelter. And all the houses rejected them. Until they got to the house of an older couple. And the older couple, of course, let them in. Yeah, yeah, you're more than welcome. Come stay with us. And so once they invited Zeus and Hermes in, because remember they're gods, They reveal themselves to the old people. We are Zeus and Hermes, right? Boom, we're gods. And so, in response to like the rejection, Zeus and Hermes pretty much destroyed all the houses that said no, because gods were cruel back then, am I right? And blessed the ones that had invited him in. And so, having that story been told, passed on generation to generation, for however long it was told, they... That was their tradition. That's what they believed. And so, you know, sensibly enough, when a miracle occurs in front of them, what are they going to think? Oh, my gosh, Zeus and Hermes are back, and we are not going to fail them this time. Am I right? And so that's probably what they're thinking, just a little history there. That's what they believed, and that's why they responded in the way they did. And now you'll notice that it says they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian. So they're speaking in their own native tongue. So Paul and Barnabas at this time kind of can see that the crowd's getting a little jittery and excited, but they don't know what they're saying because they don't speak Lyconian. They don't, they don't understand him. And so, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker, which means Paul likes to talk just like me. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. Now, so, they are ready this time. They're like, well, we're not going to let down Zeus and Hermes this time. Mm -mm. Here's what we're going to do. Priest guy at the Zeus temple, go get your... Go get your sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice to these gods because clearly Paul and Barnabas are gods because they just performed a miracle and this is just how it's going to go down. We're going to, we're going to offer sacrifices to them. Now, by now, again, Paul and Barnabas, they have no idea what's going on. They don't, they don't speak the native language and they're kind of like, they're probably starting to get sus though. Suspect, sus, that's what the small kids say. Just roll with it. Okay, I'm a youth pastor. Um, and, and so they're getting a little suspicious and then the priest comes out. And he's got the the goat in hand with the blade and he's getting ready like, praise be to Zeus and Hermes. And once they realize that, how do they respond? Now, you'll notice in the last story, they had faced rejection. They had been rejected and essentially threatened to death. They're going to be killed. And so they stayed true. They were still held captive by the word of God. We see how they responded to that. And really, the biggest focus I want you guys to get out of this this morning is that it's not, hey, be more like Paul and Barnabas, please be more faithful. No, 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 no. What were Paul and Barnabas looking at? They were looking at the gospel. They were held captive by the gospel message itself. And so if we're going to get anything out of this story this morning, it's not be better, be more like Paul and Barnabas. No, it's. Look at what they were looking at. They were only able to be as faithful as they were because of the gospel message, because the gospel had so impacted their lives that it moved them to be faithful. And that's what I want you guys to get out of it. This isn't a be more like Paul day. This is a look at the gospel and see how it impacted them and maybe let it impact you. And so they were rejected. Now, in this this other story, they're exalted, right? I mean, they're exalted to the point that people think they're God's. And any normal human maybe might be like, uh, okay, I can go along with this. You know, especially if they got a good collection of tasty ripe grapes or something. I don't know. Just going back to the times, maybe they would have been delicious. It's just an aside. But how do they respond? Let's look. Verse 14. But when the apostles, the apostles. <laughs> Let me try that again. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd, crying out. They had just been exalted to gods in these people's eyes. And what did they do? They ripped their clothes off and they run. Now, when it says rip their clothes, that's just like a Jewish way of expressing deep like anguish and like, uh uh-uh. That's just how they would have expressed it. Nowadays, we probably wouldn't be for that because like, well, this shirt was really expensive, so I'm not going to rip it just because I'm in English. But they probably didn't care about their clothes back then as much as we do. I don't know. And they had fewer clothes. Yes, true. And and so they rip their clothes and they rush into the crowd. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the presses. What is happening here? Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news. Now, held captive by the word of God, held captive by the message of the gospel, that they trusted it and they obeyed it and they were willing to be rejected for it. They're exalted. They're given uh, the, the title of Zeus and Hermes, right? And how do they respond? No, no, I am not No, sirree, Bob. And what are they still held captive by in these moments? The gospel. And then what does Paul do? He preaches the gospel. Listen. And, and this is just a, well, not really an aside, it adds to it. Um, They, this is the first instance in the book of Acts when they preached to an entirely Gentile crowd, there weren't many Jews. They weren't in a synagogue. They were just on the streets of a completely Gentile people that had never heard the gospel before. And this is the first instance this happens. Because up until this point, it had always been synagogue first, then Gentiles. And in this town, I'm assuming there wasn't a synagogue, and so, but they kept going, right? didn't matter. They were so held captive by the word of God. Right? They were so held captive by the goodness of the gospel. They were so made complete in it that they didn't need the approval of anyone else. And they didn't need to be exalted by others because God had kind of already exalted them uh, on the cross. Right? They were sons of God. They had all the exaltation they would ever need. And so he preaches. We also are men of like nature with you, And we bring you good news that you should turn from your from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and that and all that is in them. And so he starts out. Right. Because, again, now he's talking to non-Jews because at this point, Jews would have known Genesis. God created all things. Right. And so now they're appealing to a completely Gentile nation. To a completely Gentile people. And so he goes, hey, the one who made everything you see and do and experience and have all the things. This God is coming to you today and saying, hi, it's me. I've been here the whole time. And look what else they say. You should turn from the vain things to a living God. He's calling them vain things because up until this point, these people have only worshipped things that they've made up on their own. They were created man-made images, man-made idols. Their whole entire worship system was uh, created by them. And the God of the universe comes down and says, Hi. I've been here the whole time. It's time to turn from those things and turn towards the living God who made the heavens. In past generations, now he's speaking to the goodness of God here. Listen. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yes, or sorry, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you Rains from heaven in fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness, even with the, oh, sorry, I'll stop there, with food and gladness. And so he, he proclaims this message, right? He says, this is the good news. You've been worshiping created things up until this point. Now I'm inviting you to the real thing. Now I'm inviting you to the real and living God. Turn. He's actually calling for Repentance. He's made them aware, like, hey, this God exists. And he's kind of been letting you go on your own way. But now's the time to turn. Now's the time to turn to him. Now, they were exalted. And they brought themselves low. Another reason that people would rip their clothes back then was when they were mourning, right? And so they were so mourning the idea of being exalted in that way, that they ripped their clothes and brought themselves low to help these people see, hey, we're just like you. We are just like you. And they preached the gospel to them. They were held captive by the word of God. They were held captive by the truth of the gospel. Again, this isn't a be more like Paul and Barnabas sermon. This is look at the gospel Look at the good news of Christ crucified on your behalf. The cross that forgives you of your sinfulness and your wickedness. The cross that brings you from death to new life. And exalts you to the place of sonship and daughtership with God. You're God's sons and daughters, right? Right? It brings you up. It exalts you. The gospel does all of those things for you. We don't need it from others now. And Paul and Barnabas didn't either. Not because they're awesome, but because the gospel's awesome. Right? Now, how did the people respond? Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. Now, now, They heard what I think is an excellent proclamation. Am I right? Like Paul said it very well. And they still were like, kill the goat! Bring forth the blood offering to Zeus and Hermes. They were so sucked up into their ways and their beliefs that they couldn't see past it and they couldn't let it go. (laughs) Humans are fickle. Are we not? Um, Next week, Eric will continue on in this story. And what eventually happens is is the same people who tried to worship them as gods will be the ones to throw stones and try to kill them. Because the next story is the story of Paul being stoned for the first time. Yes, I said stoned for the first time. And I'm not referring to hippie stone. I'm referring to, like, actual rocks being chucked at you And, and, you know. And the fact that it happened to him for the first time should be a good sign for you, right? Like this guy just went through a lot. But again, let's look at Paul. What does he do? He is continually held captive by the word of God. I had thoughts I guess I have thoughts as we close up this morning. Um, when we look at the gospel and when we look at this, uh, how it all-encompassingly moves and shapes us, if we allow it to, right? That it becomes so a part of our being and who we are that we're willing to face rejection and turn down exaltation because of it. And so, my question for you guys is not, um, well, okay, here's how I'll do it. In some cases, you can look at this text and say, okay, I know how to face rejection, because we all face rejection, right? We all get rejected. I've been rejected many times, especially in high school. It's okay, guys, I got over it. It's cool, it happens. So we could look at it as, wow, okay, Paul and Barnabas, they had faith and they could face rejection. Wow, that's really great. But I think really what the text is pointing us towards is not that. But for us, it's saying, hey, Big Sandy Church of God, are you willing to be rejected for the sake of Christ? Are you willing to face that rejection? That will inevitably come, not because of your political views, not because you're conservative Not because you're a liberal, not because whatever. No, no, no. But for Christ and the message of the gospel. Are you willing to face rejection for his sake? That's one. And then the other thing. Paul and Barnabas faced a time where they were exalted as gods, right? People thought they were Zeus and Hermes. And they responded by bringing themselves low. The other side of it is, is that we as people tend to (laughs) think of ourselves far more highly than we should. And we do this in many ways. I'll give you an example. I, um, in even preparing this sermon for today, was such a, I don't know, I get caught up in my own head. And I'm such a perfectionist. And I really want it to go this way. And I want to say this. And I want it to be like that. And I want it to impact people in this way. And I want it to... You see what I'm doing? I'm exalting myself because I'm expecting my words, my sermon, to be the thing that impacts the people of the Big Sandy Church of God. And that's just not the case. I'm a badly tuned guitar. And if God chooses to play a song that resonates with you this morning, that's on him, not me. I am called to do the best of my ability for his glory and not mine. And I want to invite you guys to do the same thing, have Christ's exaltation of you on the cross, on your behalf be enough. You don't need the applause of others. you just need him and be willing to be rejected, not because you're annoying, but because of the gospel. oh man, it's controversial. It's a tough message. And people try to change it and mellow it down all the time and there's just no doing that because as soon as you do that, it's not the gospel anymore. And be willing to preach it for his sake. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can come before you as weak and fickle people and that even if we're not the types of people who are completely held captive to your word and your gospel, that you will grant us that ability and that you will make us people who are captivated by you and who you are. So captivated that we move and have our being and go about our day and our lives in such a way that it makes people known or know about you and who you are. Help us to be that people in Big Sandy. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week, guys. See you later.